There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and you're listening to Health Essentials Podcast by Cleveland Clinic. Today, we're broadcasting from Cleveland Clinic main campus here in Cleveland, Ohio, and we're here with Dr. Adam Brown. Dr. Brown is an associate professor of rheumatology. He is specialized in vasculitis, Sussex syndrome, and autoimmune inner ear disease, host of the podcast Ruminations, and the author of the book Rheumatology Made Ridiculously Simple. Thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Did I say all those right? Ruminations? Ruminations. Is that the podcast? Yeah, that's my podcast. So yeah. tell me a little bit about that. So it's a podcast for um, people in the healthcare uh, field who are interested in just kind of learning more about rheumatology. Uh, it goes through interesting cases. It goes through the history of parts of rheumatology that people really don't know much about. I designed it so, I mean... I wanted people to be able to like go running or listen to it in their car yeah. and learn about interesting facts about rheumatology. Great, amazing! And you just started that this year? Yeah, no, it's been going on for one year now. So just oh, just finished the first year. Oh, so I was very excited about it. Thank that's you. Very good to hear. The book came out two weeks ago, though. The book so just newer. came out. Yes. Okay, and that's rheumatology made ridiculously simple. Yes. I like that. We should read that. I even drew cartoons. That's pretty <laughs> really? Cool. So yes. I can read it and yeah. understand what's happening. Good. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here again. And please remember, this is for informational purposes only and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. So before we jump into topic, I have some questions uh, just to get to know you on a personal level. Got it. So first one I have for you is if you could live any age forever, what age would that be? What age? Okay, so live the same age forever. Forever. I imagine most people say like the early 20s, right? Um, yeah, probably. I probably, I was in... Um, I was going to school in Sweden in my early 20s, and that was probably one of the best times of my life. So I'll probably go with that. I know it's a generic answer. Everyone says that. <laughs> so at age like 24, 23? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Be good. Yeah. Right, cool. And uh, what is the scariest thing uh, you've ever done for fun? For fun. Okay. Um, probably two things. I jumped out of a plane twice. Wow. Um, but I was attached to somebody who knew, knew what they were doing, so it wasn't as scary. If I did it by myself, I would have been, I'd probably, I never would have done it, but yeah. it would have been horrible. The scarier to me was actually doing bungee jumping. And I did that in New Zealand, because that's the thing to do in New Zealand, is to bungee jump. And that's when you, know, you do it yourself. You have to jump by yourself. Oh, yeah. No one's that's jumping out for part. you. Yeah. And like just seeing your potential death right below you was much <laughs> scarier. To me, where like skydiving, it looks kind of like a map underneath. It looks almost wow. fake, it's so high up. But bungee jumping to me was it's more terrifying. It's closer to it's the closer earth. It's closer there, you're like seconds away from death. Oh. But anyway, yeah, that, that was scarier to me. Wow, yeah. wow. That was also in my 20s. Not, oh, you're not, very spontaneous. I wouldn't do that now. <laughs> you wouldn't do that now. <laughs> and what is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Now I grab my crab crying child so oh, that's what I, okay how <laughs> old is your crying child up, 15 months oh yeah of so course he wakes will. me up and then my dog usually wakes up from the crying child and i take the dog out so uh, so it's like Very butterfly effect. Yeah, the butterfly effect <laughs> great well thank you so much for that all right so back to arthritis, arthritis so got it. i googled it and so arthritis literally means joint inflammation mm-hmm. arth refers to the joints and itis refers to inflammation that's so it. guessing that's exactly what it is so i want to start talking about 
how it's not a single disease. Right. There are more than 100 different types of arthritis affecting people of all ages, including about 300,000 children. So let's first say, like, let's first ask, what are the main types of arthritis? Sure, that's a good question, Nada. Um, so people say, I have a family history of arthritis. People throw the word arthritis around pretty often. So one thing, as you mentioned, there's multiple types. By far the most common is what we call non-inflammatory mm -hmm. or wear and tear arthritis. Mm -hmm. So that's like people get it just from living, I always say. The longer yeah. you live, the higher the chance that you have. You have some wear and tear in your joints. That's called osteoarthritis is the medical term for that. So again, that's what, you know, people, your grandparents, your parents, if you're old enough, you probably have some osteoarthritis somewhere in your body the base of your thumbs, the tips of your fingers, your hips, your knees, the creaking you feel sometimes when you're getting up, that's often osteoarthritis, just wear and tear arthritis. Then we have a much rarer category, which is autoimmune disease. So those are, the, those are um, it's called inflammatory arthritis, where the immune system uh, is actually attacking your joints, which sounds very scary. Yeah. It's, the immune system is normally built to fight off bacteria, fight off viruses, fight off you know things trying to cause infections. For reasons that aren't very clear, sometimes it gets confused and actually starts attacking your joints. That's when you get big, red, swollen, painful joints. And that's like what you see in rheumatoid arthritis or psoriatic arthritis are kind of two of the more common types of autoimmune arthritis. Okay. Then we have another category, which is probably in between because it's a little bit more common, and that's what we call crystalline arthritis. And the most common version of that is what people hear about is gout. Hmm. So gout is the uh, disease that's been around for a long, long, long time. And most commonly it affects the uh, like big toe. Like people wake up and have, have severe, yeah. swollen, painful toe. And they can't move, they can't walk, they can't even have a sheet touch their toe. It's so painful. Wow. And then it just spontaneously goes away in the most majority of cases. So that's crystalline, so that's, that's a crystalline. gout. So there's, what we're talking about is osteoarthritis, which is wear and tear arthritis. Mm -hmm. Then we have autoimmune cause of arthritis, most commonly rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis. Then we have crystalline arthritis, which is like gout most sure. commonly. So with wear and tear, OA is wear and tear more for, you know, for older people. And then you have the rheumatoid arthritis that's your immune system attacking your joints. And that could what be is kind of any age. It could, oh, okay. It could yeah. be any age. And then what is crystalline about then? So crystalline, the, it's also probably most of the time above the age of 50. Okay, above 50. Disease. But okay. so, rarely you can get it in your 30s and 50s, but the vast majority of people above the age of 50. Okay, all right, that makes sense. Thank you. So it's like three bigger umbrellas for mm -hmm. arthritis. Exactly, that's kind of how I think of when I tell patients about arthritis is that's kind of those are the big umbrella things. Yeah. Rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic, again, are much more rare. Sure, okay. And so how do I know which type of arthritis I have if I do have arthritis? Sure, so... It's a good question. Usually, you have to kind of sort it out with a rheumatologist or a primary care doctor or orthopedic surgeon can help you out. Sure. So, one big differentiating factor is what makes the pain better, what makes it worse. Okay. So, in osteoarthritis or the wear and tear arthritis, often the more you use the joint, the more it hurts. For mm -hmm. example, if you have it in your knees and you're going up and down the stairs, you hurt. You get kind of this ache, mm -hmm. and you sit and rest, and the pain goes away. So that's, that's what we see in wear and tear arthritis. Another common area for wear and tear arthritis is the base of your thumb. Mm -hmm. So what happens is you get a little bit of a bulging at the base of the thumb, but also like opening jars hurts mm -hmm. and just doing certain activities hurts, writing, typing, those kind of hurt. So you, it kind of prevents you from doing that as much as you would like. In contrast, we have the autoimmune 
arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis, they're pretty strange in the mm -hmm. fact that the pain often gets better the more you move the joint. Wow. So, for example, in rheumatoid arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis likes to affect a certain joint in the hand, the knuckles, that people wake up in the, middle, in the morning and they feel really stiff and they can't move their hands much and it aches when they move their hands, they open and close their hands. But the more they move it, the better they feel. So by the afternoon, they're feeling a little bit better. Um, so that's pretty. That's a pretty um, major contrast. That's what I often look for when I talk when I'm talking to patients. What makes sure. the pain better? What makes it worse? Sure. And back to crystalline disease like gout, that will have that you patients can't even really move. The pain is so bad or so severe. So that's it. Kind of helps differentiate. Like someone with gout in their ankle, for example, isn't going to be walking on the ankle. It's so bad. Whereas osteoarthritis and and the autoimmune types of arthritis are usually able to move, but, are, movement, but it yeah. hurts. Yeah. Okay. So what are the first warning signs that you have arthritis? And I guess since we do have three different umbrellas, are the sure. warning signs very different for each one? Yeah, so a little bit. So let's talk about osteoarthritis, the wear and tear one again. Usually it's fairly subtle. Like you say, mm, maybe a little bit of stiffness uh, when they first get up or uh, just a little bit of a, just a little something kind of deep down there. I feel like something's there okay. in my hand. Yeah. It doesn't bother them too much, and it's usually pretty subtle. Like I, the knees starting to ache a little bit more when I first, like when I first go up and down the stairs. Yeah. So it's usually just kind of an ache or a little bit of a stiffness. Sure, sure. Where in uh, in, in rheumatoid and uh, psoriatic arthritis are, are similar. They also have it's usually uh, usually probably more sudden. For example, oh, okay. they'll say, oh, one morning I woke up, my hands are kind of swollen changed, and yeah. it is painful. Then it kind of gets worse as time goes. <clears throat> Gout, classically, doesn't really have much warning. It just, Happens. I was fine, and then I woke up, and it's just, boom. My toe was huge, or my ankle was huge, and I couldn't move it. So the gout, out of all the ones warning sign-wise, gout probably is the one that does not have much warning sign. Yeah, yeah. This comes it just comes very happens. suddenly. Exactly. And you do see swelling in mm, the part where it's having, yeah. okay. Rarely patients say it feels swollen, but usually it's very obviously physically sure. swollen. Sure. So people with autoimmune disease, are they more likely to develop arthritic bones or yeah. RA? That's a good question, Nada. So the answer is yes, because um, if you don't treat the autoimmune disease, like rheumatoid arthritis, it... Mm -hmm. All that swelling and inflammation from the immune system is attacking the joints, yeah. and it wears down the joint. So we talked about osteoarthritis being wear and tear arthritis. Right. So when you have rheumatoid arthritis, usually for months to years and years, it's just ca causing chronic inflammation, chronic damage to the joint, and then you get the wear and tear where the rheumatoid was. Wow. So the, um, the answer is yes, if, it, if it's untreated. But the good news is now we have very, very good treatments for the majority of these diseases, and we're able to prevent that from happening. Excellent. Now, uh, I read somewhere that uh, women are more susceptible to getting arthritis. Yes. I don't know which one, arth which arthritis so the, it is. The, the, the short answer to that is the autoimmune arthritis. The autoimmune, okay. Yeah, so for reasons that aren't very clear, women have a higher tendency to develop autoimmune diseases. Okay. Um, lupus um, and then rheumatoid arthritis, women have a higher tendency to develop these conditions, and we're not really sure we why. Don't know why. Okay. In contrast, crystalline disease like gout seems to be a little bit more common in males. Oh, okay. Interesting. But we don't know yet. The answer why. why, I don't know. Okay, we'll mm. find out, I guess. Yeah. Time will tell. <laughs> yes, research, exactly. research will hopefully tell us. <laughs> I'm sure it will. Yeah. Um, so if my mom, let's say, has, let's say, OA... Um, osteoarthritis. Osteoarthritis. Mm -hmm. um, is it hereditary? Is there mm -hmm. a chance that I will get it? Good question. It looks to be there's a component of it. Um, 
for example, I usually tell people if they have osteoarthritis of their, you know, their knees and their hands when they're 45, and they didn't play any major sports growing up, there's probably a component of being a hereditary. Mm -hmm. They had, for example, they'll say my mom or dad had really bad osteoarthritis. I think I got it a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. So just because your mom and dad had osteoarthritis does not mean you're going to get it. Right. Okay? okay, it's hard to say. Because most people get some of the component of it the longer you live. Okay. Sure. So if your mom or dad had osteoarthritis at age f in the 40s, then I would say you probably have a little bit higher chance of getting it in your 40s. Right. Right. But if you're you know, 75 and you have osteoarthritis, the chances are it may just be it's more of a normal, a normal wear, and tear, wear and tear at this point. Okay. So with osteoarthritis, um, since it is most common in people older than 65. Um, it does sound like it's age-related progressive uh, disease. Does this mean that those affected are either going to be going through a surgery or a disability? Is there like is that yeah. the only choice? So that's not the only choice, okay. luckily. So um, you're right in one aspect of it. Like in contrast to the autoimmune disease like rheumatoid right. arthritis and psoriatic arthritis, we're able to treat the underlying problem much better mm -hmm. than we can with osteoarthritis, the wear and tear arthritis. So the wear and tear arthritis, we don't have a great medication to reverse it, mm -hmm. okay? But we do have better treatments to help you live like okay. a, as normal life as possible. <clears throat> and that's usually a combination of things. It's not just one pill, okay? So the answer is I hope not that you don't yeah. need, definitely need surgery. But the answer is I can't give you a pill to prevent it. Yeah. But I'm hopefully giving you a therapy to help either um, delay it or maybe to the point where it never, it never really bothers you enough that you need surgery. But I can't give you something that makes it go away. Sure. So enhance the quality of life. Exactly basically. right. Enhance okay. the quality of life. Because there is no cure for arthritis for no, any of the three. Uh, there's no cure for, well, you can argue that with gout because, sorry, okay. that's the crystalline disease. Because if you eat, some people can eat like a perfect diet, lose weight, and they won't have gout anymore. Okay. But that's a total, that's, that's the, a, but the so other two, okay. so all these conditions have some treatment, but most yeah. of them don't have complete cure. Sure. Except for gout, you can kind of argue you can cure it. Kind of like diabetes. People right. can cure diabetes by what type 2 by just like decreasing glucose and decreasing Absolutely. sugars, yeah. for example. Yeah. So, that, so gout has that component to it that you could cure that type of arthritis. Okay. And I'm glad you're talking about that because then my next question is about preventative measures. Um, what kind of foods are do any kind of food affect arthritis? Yeah. Like I've heard about turmeric and omega-3. Sure. So I get asked this question about eight times a day. And the answer <laughs> is I don't know and no one really knows. But the internet will tell you very assuredly about these things, okay? So um, there is a lot of interest in diet and, and arthritis, the different types of arthritis, from rheumatoid arthritis to osteoarthritis. Um, so for rheumatoid arthritis and osteoarthritis, the answer is we're not no. For gout, which we can get to in a minute, there's definite diet can absolutely help that. Okay. okay. So for osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis, <clears throat> the answer is we don't know um, because it's complicated. And these these trials looking at whether or not diet can make a difference are really hard to do because these are, um, uh, for example, rheumatoid is a fairly rare condition. So it's hard to get people who have a rare condition all and say, okay, you all eat this diet. Right. For, for next two years, you only eat this diet for the next two years and see who does better. So it's hard to get people to take a pill for a trial, let alone yeah. change their entire diet. Right. So these, these studies are hard to do. Um, and no matter how much we learn about these conditions, it doesn't seem like there's ever a clear winner in terms of which diet can make people better for, for osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. 
Um, what we have found is that I've had patients anecdotally tell me that certain avoiding certain foods has made them feel much better. So I often say, look, I can't prescribe you a diet that's going to make this fix this. But I've had patients tell me they've tried, you know, going gluten free for a few weeks and see how you do. If it doesn't help, stop doing that. If they could try going dairy free for a few weeks, if that doesn't help, stop doing it. Then people say that Probably the really hard one is going sugar-free yes. for a few weeks. But again, I've had patients swear by doing this, so I never say don't try it. I always sure. say, hey, try it. If it helps you, great. If it doesn't, stop doing it. So somehow of like an elimination diet, eliminate, see how your body is reacting exactly. to see it. Exactly, see how you do. Yeah, I don't have scientific evidence telling you which one's going to work, but if yeah. you try something and it, feel, and it makes you feel better diet-wise, I'd say keep doing it. Sure. So back to your um you mentioned turmeric, and I get yes. that question often a lot, as well as, well as CBD oil. People talk CBD about that a lot oil. as well. And the data on these is pretty limited, meaning that we don't have a whole lot of scientific data showing this definitely helps. But I have a lot of internet telling me this definitely helps. Yes, right? internet talks yeah. about it a lot. <laughs> internet is very sure of these yes. things. Um, so uh, what I often say is lots of these things are unregulated, meaning the FDA isn't telling the manufacturer what to put in each pill. Sure. So I don't know what's in each pill when right. you buy turmeric, when you buy CBD, okay? So that's the first thing. I can't guarantee anything if in those pills, right. but if you have ibuprofen or something, we know what's in the pill. Right. But with that said, I've had patients, again, swear by doing CBD, swear by doing turmeric, and I say, great, if it works for you, keep yeah. doing it. Yeah. I probably won't have a major problem, but I don't know what's in the pill, to be right. honest with you. Right. Um, the other thing about it is I said I wouldn't spend a lot of money on it. I've yes. had some people say they $120 for a bottle of turmeric. I'm like, okay, well, I, I, wow. I'd, a little bit, I'd be hesitant to do that. Yeah, yeah. But it also comes in powder form that you can, like, cook with. You can things, try all I sorts think. of things. Yes, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, golden milk and all the good stuff. Yes. <laughs> all right, so let's jump on to um, exercising. Because mm. now you mentioned with rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis, a little bit of movement helps. Yeah. Maybe with uh, osteoarthritis. Yeah. Movement can kind of hurt it. So exercise, no exercise. That's a do. great question. The yin and yang of <laughs> yeah. osteo. Let's focus on osteoarthritis for a second. Okay. So what we know is that some major, like people who have like big sports injuries growing up often get osteoarthritis in the joint that they injured. Okay. So there's some evidence showing that it's like major stressful impacts on those joints is probably bad for it long term. Mm-hmm. With that said... We've also said that people with more sedentary lives seems to have osteoarthritis more. So there's probably a bit of a uh, nice, happy medium to be in, to being staying active, staying movement, but probably not, you know, physical activity where you're running straight into people or running into brick walls repeatedly. That seems like a bad idea. Okay. 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 So there's probably a happy medium on you know staying active, staying moving, staying moving, go for a walk. Exactly. Get get your arms moving. Get your legs moving. Stay quote-unquote, healthy living, okay? But again, uh, you know, playing rugby, playing football might be a little hard on the joints. Sure, sure, understandable. So something like yoga, would that work? And maybe stretching, things like that? Absolutely, yoga, stretching, tai chi, um, swimming. Tai chi, tell me what that is. Great things, so tai chi is kind of... Oh, tai chi, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not chai tea. (laughs) Well, you can explain it to our audience as well. Tai chi is like a very slow, like kind of meditative movement that I have people do. It's it's very slow, deliberate movement, not putting a lot of stress on any certain joints, Mm -hmm. but being outside, kind of meditating while you do it seems to be good. That's good. We were um, we had a podcast about mindfulness and yeah, they brought that up. Mindfulness is excellent. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's exactly. So, all right. So, let's um, talk about 
maybe for younger generation, what would you tell the younger generation to help them avoid or prevent arthritis from happening early on? Yeah, so um, it's, again, so osteoarthritis, I would say just keep moving. Um, if, lots of people have very sedentary jobs yes. nowadays, right? So, I mean, people, there's not evidence behind what I'm saying, but I can tell you that it seems like it's a good idea to just get up ever so often. Yeah, get a stand-up desk. Yeah, exactly. Get a stand-up desk. That <laughs> yes. seems like a good idea. Again, that's not proven, but sure. I, I think it's probably better than sitting all day. Okay. It's just to stay moving, take the stairs ever so often. Yes, you know, things yes. Like that. Park a little bit farther. Exactly. Not so close to... In terms of rheumatoid arthritis, we don't know. So the autoimmune diseases, we're not really sure. Um, so autoimmune disease, we can treat much, much, much better than we could even 30 years ago. This okay. is the, um, the advancements in treatment are much, much better, but we still don't know why they happen right. in people. People can be completely normal, and then they're 65, and all of a sudden they get big swollen joints, and they have oh, wow. rheumatoid arthritis. So to answer your question about preventative, that's a tough one yeah. because we don't know why it happens. There's some, there is some studies going on right now about people who have blood markers for rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. um, it turns out lots of these conditions have markers from the blood years before the disease develops. Oh, wow. I'm not advocating running out and getting your blood tested yes. because these are all very rare diseases. Sure. But people who have found to have these markers are doing studies on trying uh, certain interventions like medications before they have symptoms to see if we can actually prevent the development of these conditions. Okay. And the jury's still out now. We don't know the answer to this yet. All right. So how about the third umbrella? I don't know if I'm saying it right. Is it crystalline? Crystalline disease. Crystalline. Yeah. So gout. Gout, um, yeah. So it sounds like that. Anti-inflammatory <laughs> yeah. disease, right? Yeah. So gout um, happens the older you get. It's also in people who are very overweight. Well, okay. not, sorry, I don't mean to say that. So the people who are overweight have a higher risk of getting it. Some people who are in perfect shape get it as well. But if you're overweight um, and you eat a lot of meat in your diet, a lot of alcohol, that tends to have a higher risk of developing gout. Oh, okay. Also, um, people who have kidney disease have a, have a higher risk of developing gout. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, avoidance, uh, keeping your kidneys nice and healthy probably helps prevent gout. Okay. Um, okay. Doing that is drinking lots of water. Um, Avoiding medications that can be hard on your kidneys is very good. Okay, good to know. I didn't know. So kidney and gout could be yes, somehow absolutely. linked. Yeah. Okay. So are the treatments for all types of arthritis the same? Or yeah. then you're completely different? They're very one's different. one's immune system and one's wear and so tear. Let's, let's talk about osteoarthritis first. So yeah. the wear and tear arthritis. Let's say it's on your knees, for example. So um, one of the best treatments is physical therapy, which is working with physical therapists and um, and learning different exercises to help strengthen the muscles around your joints. Mm -hmm. And seemingly strengthening muscles around the joints actually helps kind of stabilize the knee, for example, and okay. it can really reduce pain significantly. Okay. So that's one of the best treatments you could do. There's no, there's no injections, therapy. no pills, just doing physical therapy with the person who knows what they're doing. Sure. Um, next is uh, category of medications, uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, okay. like ibuprofen is one of the more common ones that's over-the-counter. Mm -hmm. um, so anti-inflammatories can really help osteoarthritis. Again, they don't fix it, but they right. help kind of, they help the inflammation that's happening in the joint. Sure. They help calm down the pain in the joint. <laughs> Tylenol is not in that drug category, but it can also be very helpful. Okay. The problem with um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen is the older you get, the probably the little bit higher risk you have of having complications mm. from them. From the, from from the, the anti-inflammatories, mm. yes. So Tylenol is probably safer the older you get. Okay, so NSAIDs are considered, those are the anti-inflammatory anti drugs, correct? Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory okay. drugs, yes. Okay, interesting. Ibuprofen, there's multiple, but ibuprofen is probably the more common one. 
Okay. So how about cortisone shots? Do yeah. they accelerate the degeneration of That's joints? That's a great question. So um, cortisone shots are given very often in patients with osteoarthritis. Mm-hmm. They're pretty safe to give. I haven't had any major complications from uh, steroids injections before. Again, it's very, very rare to have a major complication from sure. them. The question is if they work, and the answer is everyone's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a, a steroid injection, let's say, in your knee, and the goal is that it helps kind of calm down the inflammation and maybe makes you feel great for six months. Right. Um, but everyone's different. Some people it doesn't work at all on, or it helps for a few weeks, and that's mm-hmm. it, or it helps for a few months, that's it. I have a few patients who come in you know, two to three times a year for an injection, and then they go on their merry way, and they're happy. Um, the goal is, again, it doesn't fix the problem, but it helps you stay mobile, With stay on your legs. Yeah. It, sometimes it helps you get into physical therapy and help kind of get, get the muscles and get your knee nice and stable. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the answer whether or not it reduces the cartilage in between the joint is a good question. So the cartilage, you have the, um, the cartilage in between the joint, kind of like the cushion. Mm-hmm. So there's some data showing that the steroids in those uh, in the knee seems to, it might wear down the cartilage a little bit faster. Um, so I usually see. inform patients about that. But the answer is we don't know about that yeah. for certain yet. Okay. Um, we often say, tell patients, and again, this is a low-risk procedure, and it could potentially benefit you greatly. Right. Um, I usually try it at, at least twice, and if it doesn't help at all, stop, stop at that okay. point. Okay. Now, there are creams out there for arthritis. Mm-hmm. What type of arthritis can you put cream on and pill versus yeah, sure. cream? What so, is the difference? Um, one of the creams I give most often is... Um, like ibuprofen, mm-hmm. so it's called Voltaren gel, and it's like a, it's a okay. non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, but it's a cream. Okay. So it goes on the skin, and it doesn't seem to have the potential side effects of taking like Pills. ibuprofen mm-hmm. often as mm-hmm. much. Um, there's capsaicin cream. There's different. There's Bengay. Usually, these are pretty low risk when you yeah. put the trees on. So the options yeah. have you know, give it a try. If it works great, if it doesn't. Yeah. Stop doing it. Are they as strong? Do they penetrate like the skin to go down to the joints? I mean, they're yeah, probably as... not. Probably yeah, okay. not. Yeah. So if you have severe, <laughs> ar- if about. you have severe arthritis, it's probably not going to do the trick. Okay. If you have very mild osteoarthritis, it may help you a lot. Okay. So when is it time for surgery? When is like enough is enough? Kind Usually, of thing? the patient will tell you. They'll say, "Hey, look, I, I tried the injection. I tried the pills. This is driving me nuts." Then, you, then we work with my our orthopedic surgery colleagues, and they help help us decide that. Okay, and that's so that's kind of going back to the patient and and how they evaluate their own quality exactly. of life. How and they feeling it. Some it's people not, say, "Hey, you know, look, I never want to go under the knife. I can deal with it." I see. Is that it ever, it's, a, it's a discussion you need to have with your physician to figure out what the best time for you is. Sure. Yeah. Now I know you're not a surgeon, so you don't have to answer this if if you if you don't want to. But if after surgery, let's say someone gets a knee surgery, and after surgery has been a year or two, and they still have some pain in that area, is mm-hmm. it does it mean they're not moving enough? Good do question. you ever have to redo? I don't or? know the answer to yeah, that. Sorry. Yeah. It's I okay. It's all right. Surgeon colleagues <laughs> to figure that one out. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna jump on to uh, some myths. That mm-hmm. I have read about, and I want to kind of. I didn't talk about the other. Treatment oh yeah, for other let's diseases. go back to yeah. that. Sorry about that. So let's talk about let's talk about the treatment for the other category of arthritis, which is autoimmune mm-hmm. arthritis. So that encompasses lupus, encompasses rheumatoid arthritis, it comp- accompanies um, uh, psoriatic arthritis. Um, so that's a very different approach mm-hmm. than osteoarthritis because. In autoimmune conditions, the problem is the immune system's overactive, and for reasons we don't quite know, it's attacking various parts of your body, in particular your joints. 
So one of the goals of therapy is to help kind of reduce the immune system, which sounds scary. Wait, why do you want to suppress yeah. my immune system? But we're doing that because it's uh, the immune system's overactive, wow. and we're trying to bring it down. Hopefully, not to the point where you have infections. But that is one of the main side effects side of these medications. Wow. They could potentially give you an, an infection, like a like a pneumonia, urinary tract wow. infection, or you're just a cold. The majority of times that does not happen. Most people live a hopefully normal life, and they're doing well without major infections. What I often tell people is get your vaccines. Mm -hmm. You know, while you're, while you're on these medications, some vaccines you can't get while you're on these medications. No. Uh, you have to speak with your doctor about that. Okay. Um, but. Uh, most infections are fairly mild. For example, what I often tell people is that a cold, for example, you get a, your upper respiratory tract infection or a cold. Instead of lasting five days, while you're on this immunosuppressions, maybe it'll last eight days. Mm. It just often has, takes your body a little bit more time to get rid of these infections. Sure. Um, that's one of the potential side effects. That's the most obvious one because that's the goal of therapy is to lower your immune system. Sure. But it's not to the point of where you hear about like... Um, patients with cancer getting chemotherapy yeah. where they can suppress the immune system pretty profoundly right. and they're wearing masks and can't go to movie theaters and get on airplanes. The immunosuppression we're talking about for these conditions is much, much less than Much that. milder than that. Exactly. Okay. So people, live, they go to movies, they get on planes, they travel, um, okay. hopefully live as normal life as possible with okay. these medications. Um, that's the kind of the great thing about um, being a rheumatologist in this day and age is we have access to these medications that make a profound difference in people's yes. lives and hopefully with minimal side effect. Sure, sure. So in contrast to that, we have the crystalline disease, like gout, um, most commonly. So that is a condition where you have your blood levels of uric acid is elevated, mm -hmm. and uric acid actually forms crystals in the joints. That's why it's called crystalline disease. And when the, that happens, it really pisses off your immune system, and it starts getting really big inflamed and it really attacks the joint and you get a really huge swollen joint. That's what gout is. Mm -hmm. um, so there's ways to control the uric acid, particularly with, with diet, which is eating less meat, drinking less alcohol, there's a whole laundry list of things to avoid if you have severe gout. Mm -hmm. With that said, most people with severe gout need medication on top of just the dietary changes mm -hmm. and those medications are aimed at reducing uric acid. And again, there's a handful of medications that do that. Most commonly, uh, allopurinol is one of the more common medications that can help kind of lower, reduce the uric acid to the point where hopefully you never have a gout flare again. Okay. So that's why um, it's one of the medications that if you control the uric acid, we know the problem is a uric acid. If we control that, we can really help control the disease. So when gout does flare up, how long does it usually go for? Yeah, so if you don't take any medications, yeah. it often lasts from uh, one to three weeks. Really, yeah. with that much pain with for it, three it's weeks. Miserable. Yeah, it's, it's probably the. It actually is the most painful condition that I treat. Wow. Patients with gout will tell you it's miserable. It's extremely painful. Wow. Um, with once we recognize it and have patients treated, hopefully they don't have any flares. But if they do, patients can then take a medication to get rid of the flare right away. Right away. Yeah, okay. So, so they take, never wait. Exactly. They take never. steroids, or they take a drug called colchicine, or they take high-dose ibuprofen. To really kind of eliminate the sure. flare. Okay. So those those are the medic. So you can take a medication for an acute flare, and then another group of medications to help prevent the flare. Sure, sure. So it's yeah. like kind of like two different things mm -hmm, here. Exactly right. All right. Well, thank you for going back to that. Mm -hmm. um, um. So now we're gonna go to the myths. So there are, are a lot of misconceptions about sure. arthritis. I want to kind of bring it up, have a chance for you to clear the air on some of these things. So 
Arthritis only affects your joints. Yeah, so osteoarthritis particularly affects the joints, the wear and tear of the joints. Yeah. But autoimmune conditions like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, lupus, they're what we call multisystemic, meaning that they involve not just the joints, but they involve many parts of your body. So um, that's why I like being a rheumatologist is because I'm not focused on just one thing. You yeah. still focus on the lungs, you focus on the kidneys, you focus on the heart um, because these conditions can affect all of them. So it's really your, anything that exactly, your immune yeah. system can... So you have, to, you have to work with your rheumatologist and your rheumatologist has to, um, once they recognize the condition, they can help uh, you know what to watch for. Oh. Okay? For example, lupus, um, which is much more common in women, especially young women, uh, can involve the lungs and, and particularly involve the kidneys. <clears throat> and the kidneys you don't often have symptoms from. Right. So you have to work with your rheumatologist to um, get, check your blood levels, to watch how your kidney is doing, and check your, do a urinalysis where they kind of measure different aspects of your urine to see mm -hmm. if, if the kidneys are involved from the lupus. So to answer your question, depending on the type of arthritis, no. It, so osteoarthritis does affect the, primarily the joints. But autoimmune conditions can affect any part of the body. Okay. All right. Thank you. And then um, this is an old person disease. False. Right. <laughs> so, again, the longer you live, the harder you are on the joints and the more wear and tear you're going to get on the joints. Yes. So, to, to a degree, osteoarthritis, you can get it when you're younger, but the vast majority of people have it the older they get. Okay. But you have also you have like nine year olds with types of inflammatory autoimmune conditions okay. causing arthritis. So no, it's not depending on the type of arthritis we're talking about. Um, autoimmune conditions can happen at any age. Okay. All right, arthritis is induced by a cold and wet climate. Yeah. So I get that question a lot, and um, the answer is weather can absolutely make a difference on the different types of arthritis. Mm -hmm. In my experience, what patients tell me is that the change in weather. For example, if it's going from you know 30 degrees to 60 degrees in a day, it can it can make them ache. Mm -hmm. But once the weather stabilizes, whether it's hot or cold, but it's at least more stable, the joints ache a little bit less. Mm -hmm. um, so, in my opinion, I, what I've seen from patients is that it seems to be a, a kind of a rapid change in weather can make a, the biggest difference, mm -hmm. and it's probably pressure related. The pressure in the atmosphere that changes with weather can uh, affect the pressure in your joints, and it causes mm -hmm. some pain. But the whole um, the whole saying that I, I, I can feel a storm coming is true. But patients tell me that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> they knew when the weather was going to change. Oh, and, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So warmth, um, like maybe a hot bath or mm -hmm. just warm climate, can help the symptoms of arthritis, but it yeah. doesn't help cure it. Cure it, exactly, yes. Like patients um, often ask me well, whether uh, cold packs or hot packs are better for their joints. And mm, considering, considering inflammation is like... Warmth brings about inflammation. If you put like a hot pack on your hand, it can get a little bit of red, right? That's yes. usually inflammation, inflammatory cells coming to the surface. Um, so it makes sense to use cold oh. to decrease inflammation, but in reality, I've had patients swear by putting warmth on their joints and then making them feel better. So the answer is do what makes you feel better. Oh, that's <laughs> it, very yeah, interesting. If, if, if cold makes it feel better, great. If hot makes it feel better, great. Some people alternate. Cold and hot, really? cold and hot in the joints. So just listen to your better. body listen and do what body. actually feels exactly. good. Exactly, try it. Okay, mm -hmm. excellent. And then many think of this disease as a hopeless one since there is no cure. Mm. No, that's not true. So um, from osteoarthritis standpoint, we have lots of things to hopefully keep you moving and living you a normal life as possible. 
um, that may end up being surgery to replace the joint. Sure. That's quote unquote curative because you get rid of the joint and you put something, a hardware in there to take the place of a joint. Um, and that's people often do very, very well, mm. even if they do get surgery. In autoimmune conditions, 100 years ago, I'd say, yes, it was pretty bad. But now we have so many things we can do to help you. And we have so many options in many of these conditions. We can make a huge, huge difference in people's lives with these medications. So it's definitely not hopeless. Um, there's a lot of things we could do. And you have to work with your rheumatologist closely to find out what medications are right for you. Often, we don't just have one option. We have multiple options. Sure. And we have to sit down as a team and say, which one's the best for you? This one has this side effect, this one has this potential side effect, um, and work together. And just like you said, there's physical therapy even before Absolutely. pills, and then yeah. there's surgery after, Absolutely. right? Okay. Yeah. So um, just kind of out of curiosity, is there no way to measure bone? Is there like a bone density test or something that you can take to find out if your bones are degenerating or anything like that? Or? So, yeah, so the uh, x-rays will show x-rays. if you have osteoarthritis okay um they also can show if you have severe rheumatoid arthritis um osteoarthritis is much more clear on x-ray okay it shows that you for example there should be a nice big space in between your bones where they come together to form the joint um where the cartilage is but as you lose cartilage and you get wear and tear in that joint those bones come together so there's less space in between them um what you're talking about with bone, bone, uh, like a bone scan and bone density is what we're looking for for osteoarthritis, which is meaning like weakening uh, of the bone. Okay. So that's a different. That's a different uh, category. It's not. It's not really a joint disease. It's more of like uh, the the, the um, actual bone. The itself. actual bone itself. I see. And you hear of osteoporosis. They so get a bone scan to look for that, and it tells you whether or not your bones are are weak and you have a higher risk of having a fracture. Because you're more looking at the at the space or the cartilage in between but the bones for the versus x-ray. the for the, that's for the an, x-ray. For the x-ray versus exactly. the bone But density. for the bone, actual the strength of the bone, yeah. that's looking, that's called a, um, a DEXA scan and that's looking DEXA at scan. bone uh, bone density and that's okay. looking for osteoporosis, risk of fractures. So x-ray ah. is when you're looking for osteoarthritis or inflammatory arthritis, sometimes even gout you can see on the x-ray. Um, but the bone density scan, that's for looking at the strength of the bone and the risk of fractures. Okay, great. Dr. Brown, you've been amazing. Great. Not you I... answered all my questions. I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for being here today. Right. And thanks again to all of our viewers and listeners who joined us today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To, ter- to learn more about arthritis and treatment options, please go to clevelandclinic.org slash arthritis guide and download our free treatment guide. And to listen to more of our Health Essentials podcast from Cleveland Clinic experts, make sure you go to clevelandclinic.org slash HE podcast, or you can subscribe on iTunes. And for more health tips, news, and information from Cleveland Clinic, make sure you're following us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Cleveland Clinic, just one word. Thank you, and we'll see you again next time. Thank you. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.